0: You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Pastor Jesse Miller. Not just, it's not just a special day because I'm wearing a tie, which never happens. The jacket, I lost 10 minutes into the service. But uh, it's, a, it's a special day because we really do get to look at the goodness of God dis- displayed to us um, on this day. We've been going through a series, uh, our foundational series at the church, and today we're taking a little bit of a break from it. But really, we're looking at the basic foundation of all foundations, and that's Jesus coming into our world being God among us. Um, so this past week, um, my wife and I, we went down to visit our friends and family uh, in Gettysburg area, of Pennsylvania. That's where we are originally from before we moved here, and uh, we, mo- we went down there to do Christmas early. This is only our second year that we'll be in Scranton on Christmas Day because it's always just worked out to where we could book it down there and spend the day with our family my parents her parents and, and open gifts with them on Christmas Day but the way with church being today and then her working on Tuesday we're like let's do it differently let's let's do it early so we go down and we open gifts and I got some exciting gifts that I was hoping for but never really think that I get which is if you guys know me I'm a geek and it was a Star Wars board game so there we go um yeah right and so there are some other things, and it was an exciting time. And at the end of it, my wife wanted to take pictures with her family. So we got out the good camera and the tripod and set the timer, you know. But before that, we were just getting just like my kids and her parents, right? And so they're sitting there, you know, my, and my youngest is 18 months, Grace. And she's sitting on Tim, Ashley's dad's lap. And we're trying to get Grace to look at the camera. How many of you parents have ever had to get a infant or toddler to look at the camera? You just already assume every family picture is going to have a baby like doing this or crying, which is the worst. If, if, as long as they're not crying, you're like, that's a win. And I was trying to get Grace to look at me. So we're like, Grace, Grace, here, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like you're waving around. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. You're getting her to look. And like, meanwhile, I'm kind of lo- I don't want to look like an idiot in front of my father-in-law, you know. So I'm like, Grace, Grace, come here. And so she's looking. And what happens when Grace looks? She's looking at my hand, snapping, and she's going, and so, like, I got half the pictures of her like this, you know. She, she's not actually looking at me; she's trying to do something else. If you ever point at something to an infant or to a toddler, and you're trying to get them to see something over there in the distance, and you're pointing. What are they looking at? They're looking at your fingers, your hands. They're not seeing what you want them to see. This morning, as we go into the text, I feel like so often we're looking at the wrong thing when we approach Christmas that we miss some of the other things in there. We miss some of the bigger things. So, as I was praying about. With the preach on today christmas time it's the birth of christ it's advent it's him god made flesh and dwelling among us i was reading through the text and i came across the line that i had never really seen before like you're like how did i miss this and all the other flashiness all the other show of the text all the beautiful things happening which are important Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's parts of the text that aren't important, but there's there's this one sentence that seemed completely out of place and all of a sudden my focus went from somewhere over here to coming in a little bit more in depth, make sense? This morning I want to take you with me when looking at some of the things that we miss if we just read the gospel account of the birth of Christ on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. We'll miss it if we don't see what's really happening, make sense? You guys with me? You guys excited? ready? Last year, if you were here, I wrecked some of your whole nativity scene world. Um, I've had comments about that lately, like, thanks for ruining Christmas for me. So if you want to know that part of the story, listen to the podcast. I'm not going to go into that today. Some of you guys are thinking, he's preaching the same thing again. I'm not. It's a different message. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I want to set the stage. We're not going to focus on the first few verses The ones that Martin was thinking about reading and didn't read. That was a joke, people. You guys already forgot the intro to service today. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria... Now, I'll stop there, and then we'll get into the, the, the meat of what I want to talk about this morning. So the stage is set. Luke sets the stage for the coming of Christ, the gospel account. And here's the situation. We are in, you're a Jewish man, God's people, God's chosen race, right, at the time, on earth to represent him, and you're under Roman rule, okay? Okay? it's their rule, it's their kingdom, it's their establishment, it's their emperors, and there's been tor- turmoil, there's been a civil war, there's been suicide among emperors, and the emperors are known as sons. Of the sons of God. They establish themselves as we are the son of God on the earth. So Luke says in those days there was a census that went out that made everybody go back to their hometown all of a sudden, in this empire of those people, the emperors being the sons of God, all of a sudden there's a sense of sending everybody back. And it's during that time that Mary and Joseph go back to their original, where their line was from, to Bethlehem. And it's in that place that she gives birth. And we all know the story. And we all like to picture the little farm, you know, the little animals, you know, sheep and that's not really the case. But anyway, you don't see any sheep or animals in the store. You see a manger. But we won't get into that this morning because I already said I wouldn't. But you see the is set. You see the stages set. And then let's go to the next passage here. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Here's the verse I want you to see. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So here's the setting. I want you to see this. So there's this lineage. There's this history. There's this national thing happening. Empires, Roman government, turmoil, civil war, sons of God on the earth, right? And then, hey, let's take a census of everybody. And send back Joseph to his original town, where he's originally from, the town of David, where David's from, King David. Let's send them all back. And as, he, as they get back there, they give birth, Mary and Joseph give birth, And the only word that we really see is this word "manger," the word "manger." And then we see the angels show up to shepherds out in the fields and say, "Hey, you will find him where? In a manger, in the manger." You will find him in the manger. And if you listen to my message from last year talking about what the the manger actually represented, it was not a barn somewhere. It was not like the shepherds. I think we get this picture of shepherds wandering around checking every barn. You guys in here? You guys in here? No, there's this special manger. These shepherds raised the flock for the purpose of sacrifice. And there's this one place, this one main manger that they knew about. And so the angels say to them, hey, shepherds, guess what? The Messiah is coming. And he's going to be wrapped in this cloth that you wrap sacrificial lambs in, this swaddling cloth. And he's going to be laying in the manger that you guys all know about where you take the sacrificial lambs. That's where he'll be. And so they go, and they find them there, and they tell everybody. These are not shepherd boys who are shy and timid. Because we kind of think that because we see the fearful part, right? Angels show up. Like Martin said, suddenly there's angels. They're probably a little scared. Somebody might have peed a little bit. I'm sure this happened, right? But because we think of that, we think that they're shy little boys, right? That's not the case. They see the glory of God, and what do they do? They run to this place. They tell everybody what they heard. Everybody, not just Mary and Joseph. They're telling everybody they run in contact with. The next day, they're declaring the glory of God. They're letting everybody know, hey, we saw angels who said this about the Messiah, right? And what's happening in the midst of all this picture, in the midst of all this imagery with angels and shepherds and and censuses and the town of Bethlehem and the Messiah coming, there's this one line that says, and Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And then they glorify God. The shepherds glorify God. I began to look at this text I began to look at what does it mean? What, what are they talking about? What, what does this mean that Mary treasured these things? What are these things? What does it mean to treasure? And I started looking at the Greek. I started looking at that word treasured. And that word treasured that we see there is actually only used three times in the New Testament. And the first time that we see it is in a verse, Matthew 9. Mary treasured, right? Matthew 9, this might sound familiar to those of us who are part of City Lights. I apologize to visitors if some of this is, you're missing some of the gaps, but I feel like God's always telling a story with his people, and he's always leading his people somewhere. And the truth is in our church, God is leading us together as a body somewhere. And when I saw this, that the word treasured is the same word used here in Matthew 9, my heart just exploded. Matthew 9, verse 17. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, For if it is, the skin bursts, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. The word preserved is the same word that we see treasured in in Luke. That word at the beginning of the year, the very first thing that I preached last year, the first week of January of this year, I mean, was that God was doing a new thing for his church, and he was filling us with new wines and creating around us a new wineskin. And I kind of stumbled on that last part because I didn't really know what it meant. What does it mean And both are preserved? What are, you, what are you talking about, God? And then I get this, this week, I'm studying Mary's heart here, and she sees what's happening. She's already, she's already encountered angels, right? The angel told her she was pregnant. And she said, let it be according to your will. The angels already talked to her husband, Joseph, saying, hey, don't divorce her, marry her. She's already encountered angels, but here in this moment, this grand scheme of things, all of a sudden she's treasuring these things. God is doing something new on the earth, and she's seeing the bigger picture saying, I have to hold on to this. I have to preserve this thing. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something awesome. There are times in your life when the glory of God is revealed to you it's a suddenly moment as martin said and what do we do do we treasure it do we store it up do we do we ponder it do we do we preserve it or do we just let it go by as a fleeting moment do we let christmas just drift by as another christmas 2016 2017 2018 next thing you know our tree is full of hallmark ornaments that have every year for 50 years but we never treasured what christ was doing in our lives in that season the new thing, the new wine that he was pouring out for us, the new wineskins that he was shaping us to be to facilitate the move of God in our lives. Are we preserving what he's doing? Mary, in that moment, she stopped and she preserved, she held on to what God was doing. There's another place that we see that same verse. It's kind of funny. Mark chapter 6, verse 18. Do we have that back there? Yes. So this is John the Baptist, right, who was the forerunner proclaiming the way of Christ, announcing him coming, right? It's Jesus' cousin. And who's, who's king of that area at the time? Herod. And Herod is pretty wicked. And John is the voice of righteousness. And John comes and he says, hey. Um, so well, let's just read verse 18. He said this, John said this to Herod. It's unlawful, unlawful lawful, that's hard to say, it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and kept him safe. That word, the phrase kept him safe is the same thing we see as treasured. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly But an opportunity came. We'll stop there. So three times we see that word. And I see a couple different expressions. One, Mary treasuring what God is doing. Storing up the new thing that God was doing. The angels celebrating. Jesus made the the Son of God dwelling inside of her on the earth. There's going to be peace for all people. This is joyful news for all mankind. She's treasuring that up. And then we also see Jesus use that same word, the new wineskin, the new wine, something new, fresh happening. And then we see that word when John is telling the truth to Herod. Okay? He's telling the truth to Herod, saying, hey, you can't have your brother's wife. That's wrong. I think all of us agree, right? That's a no-no. And John, like, I hate this dude, but I'm listening to him. That's what it said. Herodias, which is the brother's wife, his new wife which they almost have the same name. It's it's kind of strange. But anyway, she's angry, wants to kill him. And Herod is like, he's saying things that I don't like, but I'm keeping him safe, and I'm listening to what he's saying. Even Herod can recognize the voice of God when God's speaking truth and righteousness in a situation. He's keeping that safe. He's keeping what God's doing safe. But then came the opportunity, and he kind of got tricked into cutting his head off. So... He, he ended up changing, but there was a season of reflecting, a season of hearing what God's doing, seeing what God's doing, keeping it safe, and then he quickly abandoned ship and cut that thing off. This morning, I want to ask, and I, I want to look at a few other things. When we encounter Christmas, when we encounter God's presence in our lives, when we look at the big picture of our life and His hand in it, do we treasure it? Do we hold on to it? Do we, rev- we keep it safe, or do we quickly cut that thing off when things get complicated do we quickly move on to the frustration of our own lives do we quickly forget about the goodness of the great god who's loved us do we move on or do we ponder them mary pondered and i won't really get into all the text here but the word pondered we see in luke the only time luke uses this same word is when it says when a king goes out to battle when he encounters another king he looks at the scenario and thinks can i handle this scenario It's to encounter another king. When we see the same word in Acts, it's councils of the religious or councils of the political coming together for a great discussion. This is not like Mary's like, hmm, let me think about this for a minute. This is a deep thought. This is kings getting ready to go into war. This is councils coming together to establish truth or to establish a pattern of behavior. Mary, in this moment, the heavens are proclaiming the coming of Christ, and she's pondering. She's keeping it safe. She's holding on to this moment. She's seeing the bigger picture, and she's wrestling. She's having internal counsel. God, what are you doing? Father, what are you doing here? Because I want to walk with what you're doing, not with what I think you're doing. A lot of us get stuck in that thing where we just kind of like assume God's doing something and we have never really wrestled with it internally and we miss what he's doing. You guys okay with me this morning? You guys all right? Mary here in this moment is seeing Jesus proclaimed, her son in her womb proclaimed as the son of God, the Messiah, Christ coming. And here she lives in a world with another son of God on the throne far away. I think it's interesting that even though Jesus and the emperor never met face-to-face. It's the emperor's movement, it's the emperor's census that gets Jesus, Mary and Joseph, into the position to fulfill all prophecy. It's only because of what he did on that throne that put Jesus to be born in the place that was prophesied, and he will sit on the throne. Three centuries later, the emperors are now pledging allegiance to Christ. There's a transition that happens. That emperor had no idea who Mary and Joseph were, or Jesus. And then after Jesus' death, all of a sudden emperors are fighting to distra- stop Christianity. And a few centuries later, they're saying, no, this is the only way. There's a transition here that was beyond what Mary could see in the moment, but yet she was pondering the, the vastness of it. The vastness of it. This morning, when, I, when you think about Christmas Eve, right now, are you thinking about cookies? Are you thinking about what's sitting under your tree? Are you thinking about, oh, what are they going to do when I give them that gift? I cannot wait to give them that gift. Or you might be thinking, they gave me a gift, and I got them nothing. I got to run out the store. What time does Walmart close on Christmas Eve? Like, you're just, like, is that where you are? Or do you see what the really big picture of Christmas is? That God is doing something new, and we should be pondering it, storing it, treasuring it, holding it in our hearts, and walking in counsel with what he's doing. God is doing something new. I want to ask for my two volunteers that I selected and they didn't really volunteer. So I don't know what that makes them. But let's give these guys a round of applause. Could you grab that box right there and hold it, Martin? Take that right there. Okay. Look at these guys. They're beautiful. Um, I want you to hold it and keep it. Keep it out to the people in front of you. I mean, don't, don't like wear out your arms or anything. But um, go with me to Matthew chapter, chapter 2. I want you to look at one other part of the Christmas story, and I want you to see something here. Matthew 2. Despite what your nativity picture always shows, the wise men were not in a barn with the shepherds. That did not happen at the same time. Verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the, in the days of Herod the king, here he is. Herod. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is the one? Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we see, we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him." When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So, here's what's happening. So, Jesus is born, and you have wise men from the east. These are not Jewish men. These are not men who are listening, waiting for the prophecy of a coming Messiah to establish Israel as its own nation again, free from tyranny, free from any kind of rule other than to the true one and only God. These are not those men, right? These are magi of different religions, different way of seeing things, searching out textbooks, almost like sorcerers, almost just wise, scholarly men, kind of a mix of men. It doesn't say three. We don't really know how many. We see three gifts that are brought. We don't really know. But it's a group of men coming because they see the star, and they know that that star represents something, that there's a coming ruler. And they come to Jerusalem, which is the hub of God's people. It's the city of God's people, right? And they come to the current king over that area and they say, hey, we've seen the star. Where's the new ruler at? And he's like, what? Uh, I don't like this idea. So he's like, hey, scribes and priests, those of you who get the Israel, the, the Jewish text, those of you who are waiting for this king, those of you who have had this prophecy, had this promise for generations in your family who are keeping God's word safe, who are the scribes and the, te- the chief priests. You're the one who communicates God's word to his people, right? Where is he going to be at? And they know, right? They're like Bethlehem. That's the scripture says Bethlehem. That's where he's going to be. The ruler will come from Bethlehem. Now, so this I don't have any gold, frankincense or myrrh, but I do have a lockbox that we keep our offerings in. And that's what Martin has. Martin is the magi. And here is some textbooks. Theological books. It's actually a Bible broken up into sections. But anyway, it's the, the word, right? So he is the scribes. He's the chief priest. Bethlehem. Where, where are they at when this happens? Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem. And where is it going to take place? Bethlehem. Do you know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Five miles. Five miles. That, I measured it out. If we were at shifts on Main... I did. If we're at Shifts on Main, you guys know what I'm talking about, and we walk to Walmart and Taylor, that's five miles. Same road, Main Ave through Scranton, five miles. That's the distance of the promised Messiah coming to fulfill everything you've been waiting for as a chief priest, as a scribe, as a Jewish man waiting to get out of the emperor's rule, waiting for you to be God's people, free at last, delivered from this World, from this society, from this way of thinking, to actually have the promised Messiah fulfilled, the savior come for you. Five miles. So let's pretend that the stained glass is Bethlehem. Who goes there? Martin, go ahead and go there, please. That's a tough journey. I know, we brought it down to scale, I know. But how many of you guys have ever walked five miles before? Or some of you guys are runners. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal, right? I, I'm, I'm a slow backpacker. I could do five miles in like two and a half hours easy, especially if it's flat. If there's a lot of hills, let's give, me, let's give me like a few more hours to stop and take a lunch, right? That's it. I got my peanut butter and jelly, I'm good to go. There's something wrong with this picture. He's still here under Herod. He's over there with Jesus. What? He's got the text. He's got the promise. It's his, it's his nationality. It's his people that are waiting, not him, not them, whoever the Magi are. You guys can, you guys can sit. Thank you. Just Martin, bring that back up here. Okay. <laughs> the code is pretty hard. It's 1, 2, 3, 4. I'm kidding. It's not 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> Why am I showing you that this morning? How does that fit? See, the Messiah is coming. God's doing a new thing. And God's own people are concerned, curious, but not really willing to make the journey. Not really willing to treasure it up in their hearts and do something about it. Not really willing to see the promised Messiah as the only gift that really matters. Like, I got that Star Wars gift yesterday from my parents, right? Three to four years from now, I hope I'm still playing it every once a year. Don't t- I shouldn't have said that in front of my wife. She already doesn't understand why I like board games. I like, anyway. The truth is, do, does anything that's sitting under your tree right now really, really matter in the long span? Does anything that you, like, opened up this week or gave to somebody really, really matter in, in in life's big scheme, I mean, okay, so maybe you're getting engaged. I don't know of any proposals, so don't freak out if you're, like, waiting for that question. But, like, that's, that's cool, but guess what? Life is a vapor, Right? We have the promised Messiah to forgive us of all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to deliver God's people. And sometimes it's just a fleeting thought. It's not a real treasure that we keep in our hearts and ponder and wrestle over with and have counsel with saying, okay, if this is what he means inside of me, if this is what the coming of Christ means, then how should I respond? How should I live out the rest of my days? Mary is doing this inside. She's wrestling. She's having counsel. She's pondering in her heart because she knows this is Deep value. You have magi who aren't a part of God's people knowing there's something special happening and I will make a long, long journey for this thing. Not the five miles. That was the last stretch of their journey. And yet you have people who know about it cognitively that this is good news and they don't move at all. This week, I want to ask you as you go through Christmas, as you open up gifts tomorrow or tonight, or you spend time with family and friends, as you have meals together wherever they are. I want to ask you, do you see Christ as the greatest gift? Do you treasure him in your heart? Do you keep him safe? Do you ponder over him? Do you wrestle with what that means for you right now, every day? Do you see him as the greatest gift? In Scripture, we see a bunch of different names for Christ. We see a bunch of different titles of who Jesus is to us. What does Jesus really mean? Who is he? When my faith is weak, Scripture says He's the author and perfecter of my faith. When I'm hungry, He's the bread of life. When everything in my life is shaky, He's the chief cornerstone. When I'm trapped in bondage of sin, He's my deliverer and my redeemer. When I can't trust anything or anyone, it says He's the faithful and true one. When I'm lost, He's the good shepherd. When I need connected to God the Father, He's the great high priest. When I feel alone, he's Emmanuel, God with us. Not, not far away, but God with us. When I feel like I have no value, it says that he is the indescribable gift to us. When I can't defend myself, he is my advocate and my judge. In a world full of corrupt politicians, he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. When I needed a sacrifice for my sins, he is the spotless lamb of God. When everything else is darkness, He is the light to the world. He is the line of Judah. He is my mediator. He is our hope. He is our rock. He is my Savior. He is my resurrection and my life. Jesus is not just a door, but He is the door to God. He's not just a way, but He is the only way. He's not just a truth, He is the truth. He's not just the source of life, but He is life itself. He's not just a word among many, but he is the word of God. He's not just a vine, he is the true vine, and we are the branches. Isaiah 9 6 says, For us to us is born a child, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is the gift of Christmas. He is everything I need. Do I wrestle with those things? Do I wrestle with who Jesus is every day? Do I store it up? Do I treasure him? Do I ponder him? And do I walk in the counsel of who he is every day? Christmas is not a moment. Christmas is a lifestyle. Christmas is a revelation. Christmas is a gift that keeps giving. It's life. It's life. Christmas is awesome because of not family, not toys, not board games, not meals, not locations or vacations. It's awesome because it's Christ, God himself coming to us, sinful man, and giving us everything we need. Recently, I was listening to the radio, and it said there's statistically, the majority of people look at Christmas as they can't wait to get through this. Just get through it is the common thought for Christmas. Can't wait to get through it. I would say that they don't really know what Christmas is. They've not treasured it. They've not pondered it. They look at their bank accounts. They look at their coworkers that they got to do a gift exchange with. They got to go through all the decorations and the tearing down of decorations and those stinking light bulbs that just won't light right. Like, I had that two weeks ago. I, my wife was out of town and our tree was beautiful and then it wasn't. Like, where did all the lights go? <laughs> And I was, she called me, and she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, the tree just stopped. And I don't know what to do, and I'm not pulling them all off. We have the ornaments on, right? Like, it, I would say that those who are just, when you're frustrated with Christmas, when you're frustrated with this season, then you're looking at what you don't have than what you do have, which is Christ, God himself among us, who's everything we need. As we sang this morning, you're never going to let me down. It's not this weird gospel that says, Jesus just gives me everything I want. It's the gospel that says Jesus is the only thing I want. I will never be let down if I recognize that all that I need is in him and only in him. Worship team, if you come forward. This morning, I I simply want to ask you. I'm so thankful that you're with us today. I'm so thankful we get to celebrate. Christmas is is the best time of year. Because it allows us to refocus. It can either be the worst time of the year because you're unfocused and frustrated or it can be the best time because you refocus. I was talking to my pastor, Pastor Jared, and uh, he was talking about, he's got this idea for a book that he's writing, but there's a part of it that he's discussing. Like God has always been a God, even in the Old Testament, even with Jewish tradition, even with the sacrifices and covenants, God has always been a God who's come down to us in our broken systems and revealed himself in our broken world. He's always done that. And so, when I look at the manger, when I look at the place that Mary and Joseph were, when I look at the world that they were in, it is the biggest demonstration of a good, loving father bringing himself down to our level In our brokenness, in our broken places, and saying, "I'm giving you everything." How do you respond? How how do you treasure it? How do you respond? I love that that same word is used when Herod is confronted with the truth. He's told the truth. He receives it. He listens to it, and then he just gets rid of it when it wasn't easy. I don't know what that is for you. I I have no idea what you're walking through. I have no idea the stresses of your Christmas season. I have no idea but I do know that he is everything you need and he's the only good news that you will ever hear. He's the only good news. We were singing this morning, Joy to the World. And you guys, you guys like ever have that moment where you're singing a carol and you're like, I didn't know that line was in there, but I sang it since I was in elementary school, right? You're like, oh, that's an interesting line. This morning I'm worshiping Joy to the World. Starting off with that, right? And there's this line that says, He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. We were under the curse of sin and death. Because of sin, we were under the curse. But He came to make blessings flow where? Wherever the curse is found. That just rocked me this morning. Christmas is Him coming into a broken place, a cursed place, and saying, I'm giving blessings. But if you don't know, blessings and cursings are the opposites, Right? Like, they don't, they don't, like, go hand in hand. They're the opposite. Like, I'll take blessing over cursing. If you got curses for me, please, please don't. I, I don't want them. But I've, I, I receive his blessings. We have, a, we have a God who gives us blessings. That's awesome, right? Like, the Christmas season is us, wherever the curse is found, wherever there's death, death and decay, he's come to bring life and blessing. Would you stand with me? If, you, if you've never placed faith in Christ, I want to encourage you this morning. It's simply saying, I need a Savior. My life is a mess. I only need you, Jesus, to fix this. That's really what it is. I'm not going to give you some big formula prayer to pray. It's simply you stating, confessing with your mouth that he is Lord and that you're a sinner and you need forgiven. And he does it. It's awesome. The gospel is awesome. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never done that, today is the day to do that. This, season, this Christmas season will be amazing knowing that you are right with God and that He is deeply loves you and He wants to have relationship with you. That's the whole story. He wants relationship with you. It's awesome. I want to encourage you to do that and if you want to walk through some of that with me or one of our leaders like Martin who spoke up here or any of these guys on stage my wife over here feel free to grab us after service and just kind of ask us some questions or we'll pray with you whatever you want. But this morning I want to ask you do you treasure this season? Do you treasure Jesus? Because his birth is the only thing worth treasuring. Can I make a, a really a really honest statement? I have the best life. I really do. I have the best life, and it's not because financial stability or friends or food or gifts. It's because of Jesus. Like, I've told my wife, I've told my friends, even when we were in rough places in our life, I've said, I don't know what I'd do without Jesus. I don't know how I'd live. I don't know what I'd be without him. This morning, I want to encourage you as you leave to really treasure and ponder Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if, if, you if, if you don't go to church, if that's not your thing, if you've not been to the church, I want to encourage you, let, let's not make this the only moment this Christmas season you think about Jesus. I want to encourage you. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Take it with you. It's yours. It's a gift. I want you to look through it and treasure and ponder and, and wrestle with who Jesus is. I want to invite you to our church. And if you don't want to go to our church next week, I want to invite you to the Grove Church down the street. And if you don't like the Grove next week, I want to encourage you to go to Steamtown Church. If you don't like Steamtown, go to, go to uh, Grace Bible in Dunmore. I know a lot of good churches where you can wrestle and ponder and treasure the gospel. Like, there's a ton in this area of good churches But more importantly than that is the book in front of you. And even greater than that is the Holy Spirit who can live inside of you and lead you and guide you into all truth. Wrestle with him this this week. Treasure Christmas. Treasure Jesus. He is God made flesh dwelling among us and through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's awesome. I have the best life ever. And you can too. You can too. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us that you died on the cross in our place that you came and dwelt among us you got you first you forgot about your your deity you put off that and you put on flesh you became human you lived as a baby in the worst places to be a baby you were born father thank you for sending your son you loved us so much that you sent your Son not to condemn us, not to judge us, but to give us life, eternal life. We respond to that. We treasure it. We ponder over it. We wrestle with it. We have counsel with who you are. Father, guide us this week, we pray. Let us walk in the true joy of Christmas today and tomorrow and the rest of this year. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. If you have any questions, feel free to grab me or one of our leaders. Have a great Christmas Eve and excellent Christmas day.